Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. If you build it, he will. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Couch. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Garrison Financial Friday out there. Western Oklahoma, welcome to The Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal, glad to have you along for the next hour. No Scott today, no Jared today, so it's just me hanging out with you guys with all kinds of stuff that is uh, out there in the world of sports. So, let's get it started. 225-9698 is the phone of the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text, we can talk about anything that's on your mind. I've got a few things planned, uh, some high school stuff. There's some All-Staters that were named on the baseball field yesterday uh, from the small schools, uh, the middle middle-sized schools as well. I'll tell you about that. Uh, already there, there's a question on the text line already about uh, some shakeup in the coaching ranks out here in western Oklahoma. Uh, NBA and NHL playoffs, I'm a little bit slow this morning, kind of getting around because I was one of the folks that uh, – Stayed up and watched the entire marathon that was game one of the Eastern Conference Finals on the NHL ice with the Panthers and the Hurricanes. Man, four overtimes, sixth longest uh, game in NHL history. And it, it's so weird and it's so funny how, NH, how those overtime games work because I was already mentally preparing myself for a fifth overtime when, bam, lightning struck and the, all of a sudden the game is just over. So we'll talk about that. Dallas and Vegas tonight, game one of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, NBA, everybody talked about the Lakers. Mike Malone obviously took uh, some ex- exception to that after game one. And all Denver did was all of a sudden Jamal Murray looks like bubble Jamal Murray, or is it more than that? Is it just the fact that he's now healthy from that ACL? So Denver's up 2-0. We can hit that. Also, Boston-Miami game two tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, of course, right now going on is the PGA Championship. Tons of storylines developing. 
um, question on the text on who fell in the pond. It was Tom Kim, the young Korean. And he, I mean, he made a mess. Then his shirt was off. It was just kind of a fiasco there for young Tom yesterday afternoon. But uh, lots of storylines already this morning. Uh, there's some different things developing uh, over the weekend. I mean, there, there's some guys that some guys that got off to horrendous starts. Everybody probably rode off after the first few holes, and now you look up, and man, all of a sudden they're coming back and going to be a part of this tournament, some pre-tournament favorites that, that didn't start great, uh, that are going to be there, or at least right now they're get, creeping themselves back into the tournament. handful of those guys that are out there. Some huge disappointments that we can talk about, what to look forward to the rest of the week, and then uh, you know what will be the cut, what will be the winning score, I've got some ideas on when that could be. And then, you know, also, if you haven't seen the leaderboard yet, Michael Block. I, I get it. Nobody's ever heard of him. He's a club pro. And he is one shot off the lead past the midway point of his second round, which is he's trying to think of what an equivalent to him winning this tournament would be as a club professional who had to qualify through the club pro tournament. Only twenty of those guys make it into this field, and what would that what would that be equivalent to if if on Sunday he's raising the Wanamaker Trophy? In a, in other sport, is is there even an equivalence in other sports to this? And uh, the impressive showing from Michael Block so far in the PGA Championship two two five nine six nine eight is the phone or the text line. Two two five nine six nine eight. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime in at two two five nine six nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. One of those is to log on to kadsam.com. The other is to download the app. Paragon app has it all. It's got radio. It's got the penny news. Brand new edition of that Penny News is out. Go pick up a free copy of the Penny News at your favorite a local newsstand. You can check it out online, thepennynews.com. There's Big Elk and Paragon TV when those things are on the air throughout the year, throughout the high school sports season. You can check that out on the app. And then also the Skinny on Sports podcast, which most of the time when Jared is not here, I completely forget that one of my duties needs to be to record the show. That way he can podcast it. Good news. I remembered this morning, right as the intro started, I remembered him shooting me a text last night to, hey, go ahead and record that. That way we can, uh, you know, have a show. We, we can have a podcasted show like every other day of the year. And so kudos to me. I'm already winning uh, today by remembering that. So. Yeah, we'll have that podcast. You can it, and you can find those anywhere, any anywhere you find podcasts, it'll be there. K a d s a m dot com, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Uh, we, we'll have that podcast there. Just about anywhere you can find a podcast. All right, so <clears throat> update real quick on the leaderboard for the PGA Championship. Bryson DeChambeau, who went out early yesterday. He is still holding the lead alone at four under par. As round one had to finish this morning, a few, I think there was 11 groups that did not get finished before the dark hit. Of course, the hour and 50-minute frost delay yesterday slowed everything down. Pace of play was an issue for some guys in the field as well. But 
So 11 groups had to go back and finish round one this morning. And Bryson DeChambeau holds the lead at four under. There's a group of guys back at three under. Of course, Scotty Scheffler, bogey free 67 yesterday. He's one of those three unders. Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose. And you find Michael Block. Michael Block, the club professional. One of the 20 club pros that are there. And I've got it written down, like, what would be the best storylines? If if you could just pick a story. I mean, it's going to be hard to find a better storyline than Michael Block, the club pro, winning the PGA Championship. It's one of those – it's almost like if it was an amateur, right? If there was some amateur making a huge run and being involved in, in any of these majors. So we've seen it happen every now and then. But not a ton. He's at he's at Arroyo Trabuco Golf Club, out in Mission Viejo, California. That's where he's a he's a club pro at. As I mentioned, qualified through the the club pro tournament to be able to be here at the PGA at Oak Hill, and he shoots seventy. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, he shot even par 70. He finished up even par 70 in the first round. Now he's three under through 11 holes here in his second round to be one shot off the lead with the greatest players on earth. Yeah, there is a low club pro award on the text line. They, they they will name one of those when when one of those guys makes the cut. And that's this is the crazy thing is a lot of times – Nobody nobody realizes these guys are playing because none of them ever make the cut. And so not only is is he in great position to make the cut, but he's a shot back of the lead. And, and here's the thing with the conditions, and if you haven't seen so far this morning, the conditions are windy. It doesn't look as cold as it was yesterday, and I think the, the temperatures are supposed to be warmer today and then maybe some rain tomorrow. I mean, we look at these guys, most have – just a short sleeve shirt on. There's a couple that are still wearing jackets. Um, but most of them, you know, it looks comfortable outside of the wind. Hole positions, the, the, the pin positions, once again today, are going to be extremely difficult, especially if the wind kicks up. I think it's supposed to be like 15, gusts as high as 20 or so uh, there at, at Rochester today. So, I mean, that means if Michael Block – can figure out a way to get this thing in the clubhouse at three under par and finish at three under par with the, with the afternoon wave, the rest of the morning wave having to finish in that afternoon wave, there's a, there's a decent chance, if not a good chance, that at three under par, Michael Block is going to be leading this golf tournament at the end of the day, which is just it's, – it's an awesome story. It would be fantastic if it really happened. He almost chipped one in from absolutely nowhere just a second ago watching it here. Uh, on the coverage, so he's got a maybe about an eight footer for par on his twelfth hole, which is number three, a par three there because he started on the back today. So, I mean, the the story as far as storylines that are possible and the best stories possible, Michael Block is is far and away number one on that list. If he could just stay around, if he can be in somewhere in the hunt, come Sunday here at the PGA Championship as a guy that's a a club pro that would just be an awesome story if it can continue some other some other possible storylines looking forward 
I would love to see what it, what what it would do to the, the to the golf world if one of these live golf guys was the winner. I know that, I know there's some momentum at least in this state for live golf after what transpired at Tulsa last weekend and, and the, the event that that was and and how everybody that went there just loved the atmosphere, loved the vibe of what live has created in such a short amount of time. But I still think that they also are in a position where they need some validation. You know, whether it be the the viewing numbers that are now not being shown by the Saudis, which one can only assume that's because they're terrible. Whether it be, you know, Jim Nance even made a little crack yesterday as Dustin Johnson was teeing off his, uh, you know, to, to start his championship. Made the mention of, yeah, he won last week in Tulsa. If you probably didn't see it, though, and that's because the CW changed it off, you know, just the rain delay. And next thing you know, at least here, it was Family Feud. Old reruns of Family Feud instead of, you know, the Live Golf Playoff. So I think it, some validation, not that it's necessarily needed in the golf world, but I think outside of it. And then you realize, wait a minute, these guys can still win these huge events with everybody in them, even though they're playing live golf? Hmm. I, I think that helps. So that's the storyline. And then can this can this unprecedented run of of under 30 years old, the under 30 crowd, who has just dominated the majors? I think this would be the eighth in a row if one of those guys under 30 – is able to hoist the Wanamaker on Sunday. Uh, so there's some different storylines developing there throughout the day. The, the golf course, it's one of those that you see about every decade. As a matter of fact, it has been. 2003, 2013, and now obviously here in 2023. And it's got some differences this time. A couple of new holes, number five and number six. Number five is a par three, six is a par four. Are kind of new holes to the golf course that have been created uh, since the last time this championship was there. Number 15 is a, a redesigned par 3. It was given the players fits yesterday uh, with the back left location and you know getting aggressive with the short iron. If you hit it in that bunker, it was guaranteed bogey almost. And so the, the course, it's changing just watching Dustin Johnson make a bogey. There, there's a bunch of really closely mown areas that are runoffs. And so, sure, you know, it, it looks to me like it's essential to get the ball in the fairway. And then the winner, you're not going to be able it's, – it's a U.S. Open in a lot of ways like that to where the rough isn't tall, but it's thick, and you could see the differences. They kept, I thought they showed a bunch of cool graphics yesterday on different holes, the difference between the scores that were made in the fair, from the fairway on par fours versus in the rough on those par fours, and it was it was a huge difference. And so getting it in play is going to be a massive concern. But even then, some some of these holes you could you you want to be aggressive with because of the iron you're hitting into the green. But a lot of times DJ just just paid the price. From 127 yards, he he just barely misses it left and just runs off you know, 30 yards away from the green, and now he short-sided himself with an impossible uh, chip shot or pitch shot. So that leads to what, what's going to be the cut. You know, where, where, what are we looking at 
uh, for your favorite players or, or what what could be a winning score by the time Sunday is, has rolled around? Currently, with, I don't know, maybe half of the morning wave out there on the golf course for their second round, it's showing the cut to be at plus three. Uh, there's no chance it stays there. I mean, you're looking at at least a shot, if not two, plus four, plus five. I think there's an outside chance it could even get to plus six if the wind really does continue and, and then kick up as the day moves along, it just because of how hard this golf course is. And yeah, I think you're going to see in maybe more birdies on holes than you than you normally get in a U.S. Open, but I, but no one's going to run away. And hide, I don't believe. I just think the course doesn't lend itself to that. So, you know, if you're if one of your favorites, like here's Phil at plus three. Plus three is nowhere near out of this golf tournament at the moment. You know, so I think you're looking at probably, you know, maybe a plus four, five, six. I would lean toward plus five to be the cut at the moment. But it could get to six. Um, and possibly stay at four, but I think plus five is a pretty good cut line. And then as far as a winning score, I just got to text seven under. I wrote down six under. Um, in, in which you think, wait a minute, what are you talking about, Skinny? Four unders leading after day one. I get it. But this course is only going to get harder. Only going to get harder with, with the wind. And by the time this afternoon rolls around and this, the, the, the finishing groups are on the golf course, it, the greens are going to be hard and they're going to be fast and treacherous. And it's going to be – it's going to be U.S. Open-like at Oak Hill. Look at some guys that, if you if you watched the first part of their rounds yesterday, you probably rode off. Don't write them off just yet. Max Homa got off to a terrible start. He's back to one under. Xander Shoffley was four over through three. He's got it back to even par. Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy was uh, well, he's three over. Standing below the green on number two, which is was his eleventh hole, with I don't know forty or fifty feet, sixty feet up a hill from the fringe for for the closely mown area for par, and you're thinking, man, he doesn't get this up and down now. He's five over with six or seven to play. Instead, he holds it and proceeds to birdie two holes in a row, and now all of a sudden, Rory is right back in the golf tournament at one over par. Uh, so he's had a really good comeback. And then today, Patrick Cantlay is back to even par with making, uh, I think, four birdies in his first five or six holes. So those are some guys that look like they had played themselves out of it that have come back, and, and they're right right in the thick of things around even par or maybe even a little bit better for a couple of those guys. Some some disappointments, there's there's no bigger disappointment and no no round that you did not see coming more then what happened to John Rahm? You know, he starts out, he birdies the first hole, has a couple of chances that he doesn't convert with the putter. But, he, you know, he's one under through seven, six or seven holes, and all of a sudden the wheels just completely fell off of the world's number one. Um, he was just – it's not something you see from that guy very often. But, man, Rahm just completely the, – the wheels completely fell off. And Rom ends up shooting six over seventy six, so he's going to need to shoot a couple of under a couple under par today just to play the weekend. Another guy that, you know, I think he was a he was kind of a, a trendy, kind of dark horse pick, 
before last week, and then he jumped way up everybody's list when he won, and that was Jason Day. You know, looking back, it was always going to be hard for Jason Day emotionally and mentally to be able to get ready after how how draining the winning at the Byron Nelson had to have been and the 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 road that he's been on to get back to the top of the game. It wasn't that long ago where you watched Jason Day play golf and you thought, my goodness, nobody will ever beat this guy because he played – he could hit it further. He could – his short game was immaculate, knocking in putts. And then he had, goes through a little bit of an injury spell and that knocks him back and kind of forget about him. So just the, the road back for him, I get it, playing well coming in after winning last week at the Byron. But uh, for Jason Day, that was always going to be tough. But another guy that was right there at the Byron that I really thought would play pretty well was Tyrrell Hatton. Terrell Hatton has not had it. He's gotten off to a bad start and kind of stayed there, which, you know, that's probably it's probably Terrell Hatton for you, right? Um, he either, if he starts fast, he's going to play great. If he doesn't, his attitude gets a little bit uh, sour. And next thing you know, he's down the leaderboard and not playing very well, which I think at last check he was five over. So, you know, right in there in danger of missing the cut if he doesn't finish very strong here coming down the list. So that's – it's kind of where the PGA is at. I, I think it's going to be an awesome tournament. I think it's going to be bunched up, and it's going to come down to those last few holes on both nines. You know, yesterday, before the wind changed, six, seven, eight, and nine were impossible. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen on the other side were impossible. So it really, and I heard him say Max Homa thought the back nine was way easier in the front, but those finishing holes. We're giving everybody fits on both sides. So I don't know that there was an advantage to teeing off the front or the back, which by the weekend everybody will be going off number one. But I think it's going to be thrilling because I just don't I don't see like Bryson going out and shooting three or four under and putting him a giant gap between himself and everybody else. I think by the time the day's over, you may see the you know, a huge bunch of leaders like right now at three under. You've got one, two, three, four guys at three under par. And a, and a slew of them at two. I mean, you just, I think that's going to be a fun watch throughout the weekend because it's going to be so tightly bunched. And I think come Sunday afternoon, there might be a time where there's five, six guys tied for the lead or, you know, 10 within a couple of shots. And uh, just the, the way that they play those, those holes down the stretch of both nines, I think will determine the winner. And if somebody can remain patient throughout the weekend, because even though you've you've got a short iron in your hand and, and from you you cannot you have to remain at least a little bit defensive because of the way that these runoffs are around these holes you cannot afford to get yourself in a position to where you're constantly short siding yourself to these pins that are cut two or three paces onto the green so it's almost a U.S. Open style PGA in a lot of ways uh, I think coming down the stretch and, and not too not too dissimilar to last year. Um, at Southern Hills, as far as the way the setup is, I think five under was the playoff last year between JT and, and Will Salatoris. I think you're looking at something very, very similar this weekend. The difference being, I don't know you're going to see somebody come from way back. And the reason that the reason in my mind that doesn't happen is because you look at this leaderboard, it is chock full of dudes that have won majors. Whereas last year, when you looked up. Uh, Justin Thomas was way behind, but uh, he didn't have anybody in his way 
that it even won a tournament, much less a major. That's not going to be the case uh, this year with what the leaderboard's stacking up to be up at Oak Hill at the PGA. So a lot of fun. If you're not cheering for Michael Block, you have to be cheering for Michael Block. Um, I, I guess that's the question to everybody out there uh, that's listening on the text line, 225-9698. What would be an equivalent to a club professional winning this tournament in some other sport? Is there one? I don't, I don't even know if there is one because a guy like Michael Block isn't allowed to play anything else. I mean, they're not going to let him start for the Lakers if he's some kind of, you know, under G League guy. So is there equivalent to what Michael Block would do if he wins his golf tournament? Bunch of stuff, uh, other stuff coming up next. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's the Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. It's Garrison Financial Friday. Scotty had something come up this morning, so he wasn't able to join us. Man, he can do it all. Full financial planning. He can do everything for you on the financial side of things. He shops the open market to bring the best value on your life insurance and investments. If you're one of those people that likes to, to to manage your stuff and likes to dabble and watch and, and understand some markets, but you're just not exactly sure how you start, he can charge you hour, hourly to build you a plan that you can manage, or he can just manage your investments uh, himself. Scott at SoonerWealth.com is his email address. 124 North Main is his location right here in downtown Elk City. That's Scott Garrison at Garrison Financial. So I asked before the break, what would be an equivalent to what Michael Block is doing? If Michael Block, the club pro from Mission Viejo, California, wins the PGA Championship, is there or what would be an equivalent in another sport to what he's doing? Uh, Scott, you know, somebody being called up for AAA, like for the World Series, and then being the World Series MVP. It's, it's similar. I think this is this is so much more improbable because you know somebody from AAA is trying to get to the major leagues. A guy that's a club pro in Mission Viejo, California, is trying to teach people how to play golf, and isn't isn't actively attempting to be on tour. It would be the only the difference that I would see. But yeah, that's it, it's something like that. You know, some G leaguer in the NBA being called up and and ripping the playoffs apart i mean it's 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 just there, there's not a lot <clears throat> there's not a lot to compare it to just because 
people, normal people aren't allowed or afforded the opportunity to figure out a way to, to, to be able to play in these things. Like, you know, the U.S. Open. I mean, you and I, you and I could potentially play in the U.S. Open. Let's pay your money, go play great and qualify, and there we are. You know, for these guys that are club pros, I mean, that's that's essentially what they do. They You know, they qualify to get to the club pro finals, and then they try to qualify and be in, in that top 20 to get into the PGA. So they're, they're, that avenue is actually out there for them, and that's a little bit different than other sports, I guess. But, but yeah, it, it, that's it. John Daly winning. John Daly winning is is very similar to this. Very, very similar. Or Francis We Met. Back in the early 1900s, a 13-year-old kid winning the the U.S. Open, you know, just just it's crazy things. Like you'll never. John Daly went on to to superstardom in his in his career, not only on but off the golf course, just because of his personality and how how people liked him, how mag- magnetic he really was. I don't know that Michael Block is that guy, but I know this: <clears throat> if he continues down this path through the, throughout the weekend and he's right there even if he wins this golf tournament it's a name that you're never going to forget it would be michael block that's how improbable it would be it may not be two arizona diamondback pitchers hitting a bird with a baseball on accident improbable it may not be chipping your ball into somebody else's coin improbable but it's not that far away from either one of those uh so man what a, what a story developing as michael block the club pro one shot back of Bryson DeChambeau for the second round lead of the PGA Championship. Speaking of seconds, last night, game two of the East, or excuse me, the Western Conference Finals in Denver, Lakers and the Nuggets. I thought the Lakers did as good a job as you could possibly do on Jokic down the stretch. Didn't even take a shot in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis wasn't nearly as good as he was in game one. LeBron was, you know, the the older version of LeBron. I don't think anybody expects him to be what he was, say, in 2012 when he was just a demolition force against the Thunder in the finals. Austin Reeves was good. They got a great game from Hachimura. And it was all blown up by Jamal Murray, who was just phenomenal in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Lakers almost outscoring the Lakers 23 to 24. He scored 23 or he ended up with 25 in the fourth quarter. It was just incredible. Um knocking down shots, making every free throw but one. And Jamal Murray just put the Nuggets on his back and and carried him across the finish line to be able to knock out the Lakers in game 2. He he was just awesome. And so, you know, it it looked like the the altitude and the the moment and how hard everybody was playing. It looked like it was taking a pretty good toll on everybody there toward the end. It just seemed like both teams were just gassed by the time that game was over. And so you wonder what the effects of that will be going back to L.A. for game three. Obviously a must-win situation for the Lakers if they want to try to make this a series. And I would anticipate, just because it seemed like this always happens, for the Lakers specifically. I would anticipate the Lakers 
shooting, I don't know, 50 free throws on uh, Saturday night and being able to to come away with the Game 3 win, and then I think the series hinges on Game 4. Totally hinges on Game 4. If the Lakers can, can hold serve, which interesting, interestingly enough, neither one of these teams have lost on their home floor so far in the playoffs. So, <clears throat> but, you know, you're looking at the Lakers have to win. They have to win game three, and it's, they have to win game four as well or the series is over. they got to go back 2-2. And so, uh, you know, I, I, think we're, I think we're setting up for a gentleman's sweep. I think we're setting up for the Lakers to win game three, Denver wins game four, and then slams the door in their face in game five, and the Nuggets win 4-1. I just, you know, Anthony Davis – for all his good, you know, 18 and 14 last night, but four of 15 shooting. Unable to, you know, had an open look for three that would have pulled the game within a point. I, you know, Reeves banks in a three, and then they get it back, and just unable to make the big shot. And then what about LeBron? I mean, he's clearly not the same LeBron. Age is beginning to catch up. That doesn't not mean he is not a fantastic player because he is. He's still a, he's still a fantastic player, and in a one game situation, I still don't know if you take him over, don't take him over everybody else in the league just for one single game. But the problem with him is, at thirty eight, it's harder to replicate those performances back to back to back. And I actually see, I actually think you see him taking taking plays off offensively so that he can try to defend as best he can. And then he was, he was really good on Jokic when he ended up on Jokic last night, but on the other end of the floor, Oh, for six from three he's now one for 20 in the fourth quarters. He's missed 19 straight fourth quarter threes. That dates all the way back to game two, a year ago, or game two in the first round this year. And, you know, there's been tons of times throughout his career that you see, you know, the dagger threes from LeBron. And he's just not able to knock him down. And I think that's a sign that that is the surest sign that you can find that his age actually is starting to catch up with him. He's been in a, just a force, a, a physical force for so many years, right? I mean, he just has been. But now I think you're actually starting to see a little bit of cracks in the foundation because of age, and he just simply doesn't have the energy. He doesn't. It's not that he he's fallen off a cliff. He hasn't because he can still play this game. And just think back to the closeout game against the Warriors. I mean, he was phenomenal, but it's just it's not as it's it's not as easy anymore, and it's not as consistent anymore. And I think the shooting at the end of these games is a sure sign, the surest sign that you can have so far in LeBron's career that age is catching up. And he just doesn't have as much gas left at the ta- in the tank at the end of every single game. Now, can he come out of this in game three and you know knock down a couple of huge shots? I'm sure he can and probably will. But as far as being able to carry the Lakers and be able to carry his team over the course of – you know, five or six of a seven-game series, he just can't do it. And and I agree with Scott. Altitude, I think that altitude is a bigger thing than people realize. 
maybe not right there in the moment, but as far as being able to bounce back after game one and, and all the minutes he played in game one, played 40 last night, I just think it's so much harder to stack game on game out there in the Mile High City and, and be able to come back and ready to go. It's just it's harder. It's so much harder. And the older you get, uh, the more, uh, obviously, the more difficult that gets. So uh, I think we're looking at a shorter series out west after, after last night. And the Lakers had to have that one in my, in my mind to make this a series. I just don't think they can win both games out in L.A., back-to-back, and then you're going to go down 3-1, heading back to uh, to Denver with the Nuggets' chance to make the finals for the first time in their history. Also, tonight, Game 2, Boston-Miami. You know, I, I'm sure you're going to hear it's a must-win for Boston, it's a must-win for Boston, it's a must-win for Boston. They, they probably need to win. But the way Boston is... And the way they've played, I and mean, what they're ten and ten at home of the play, the last two playoff runs. I'm not going to say it's a like the series is over if even if they fall down 0-2 going to Miami. They they're just a team. I mean, who can't see them winning two in Miami? Out of the three, I can easily. They're just one of those teams. Like it just, it seems like they always try to find the hardest way to get it done. Now. Would it be advisable to win this game tonight if you're the, if you're the Celtics? Uh, 100%. You'd much rather be 1-1 than 0-2. But I, I still don't th- I don't think it's a na- the death nail in their coffin, even if they lose tonight, just because they've, they've proven more than almost any other team over the last you know, three or four years that they win, they win more games that you don't think they can or they're not supposed to than about any other team going right now. And that's where I, I just – I think Boston will win. I think they'll get it back to 1-1. But even if they don't, I'm not going to rule out the Celtics coming back and winning this series just because it seems like they forged the hardest path that they can po- they could possibly have. And that would be obviously a, t- a tough road to hoe if they fell down 0-2. But I, I just, they, they, I'm, not, I'm just not going to believe Boston isn't in the finals until Boston isn't in the finals. Because of the way the, their roster is constructed, to me it's the best roster uh, going in the East for sure, if not the entire NBA, uh, with the way that they've got that thing built. And I just, you know, they're nine-point favorite tonight. That tells you to me all you need to know about what Vegas thinks will happen tonight. Of course, it was kind of the same thing in game one, and Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra happened. But to me, I just Boston is just better. They're going to win this series no matter what it looks like, no matter how many games it takes, I'm just always going to believe that they're going to find a way to win this series until they don't. Last night, NHL, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 1. If you didn't watch, you missed a treat. Gosh, it was so much fun. All the way through the into the fourth overtime and 12 seconds away from a fifth overtime between Carolina and Florida. And I really was. I was sitting there, like, watching the clock. Okay, well, here we are. We're headed headed to a fifth overtime. It's almost 1 a.m. Am I really going to stay up and watch this entire thing? Can I? Am I, do I even, am I physically able to? Am I physically able to keep myself awake and not just doze off as this thing is going? It's 
you know, clock ticks down to 20 seconds. There really isn't even a threat going on. And then all of a sudden, bam, the putt, the, the puck is in the net with Matthew Kachuk finding the upper, the upper corner on the glove side and being able to, uh, to give his team the win as he uh, beat Frederick Anderson for the third goal of the game and the game winner right as the fourth overtime was about to end. It's the sixth longest game in NHL history. Uh, it was, there was only, there's been five that have went to five overtimes, and it was almost there. And then just lightning struck. That, and that's what makes the NHL playoffs, and when it goes to overtime, and if it's ever game seven in overtime, that's what makes it so cool because it just ends. And a lot of times you don't necessarily see it coming. Sometimes the most there's not a lot, there wasn't a ton of build up to what happened last night. It was just kind of on the boards. It came off the boards. He spun around, bam! There, and then it was over. And you're like, oh my gosh! I've been waiting five hours for that, and I'm glad I was paying attention because I was just about to change the channel and go, okay, is there something I can watch to keep me awake through this overtime, through the through the intermission of the overtime? so that I can get back and, you know, stay up and watch. And then it was just done. And so Matthew Kachuk with the game winner tonight, Dallas and uh, the, in Vegas, game one of the Western Conference Finals. That ought to be a lot of fun. Those team, those two teams put the puck in the net. And so if you're, if you're on the fence or you've never really watched hockey, I, I would, you'll have fun watching Dallas in, in Vegas. You just will. <clears throat> because it's it's not it's not what a lot of people think of as soccer like like and like hockey used to be you know one or two goals and that's it i mean there's a, you know Dallas and Dallas and Vegas they're going to put the puck in the net you know you're i think you're looking at 4-3-5-4 maybe even 6-5 type games with Dallas and, Go- and the uh, Golden Knights so it's going to be a lot of fun tonight game 1 western conference finals on the NHL side uh, with Dallas out at Vegas, seven thirty. That's another good thing, and, uh, and something I've noticed about these NBA playoffs feels like the the conference finals are starting, you know, thirty minutes to an hour earlier than normal. Even on the West, even even West, uh, maybe that's because Denver's not quite all the way to the West Coast. But it sure seems like when Oklahoma City, maybe if it's even Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and some of those Western Conference finals, those games weren't tipping off until eight eight thirty, maybe even nine sometimes. It's not the case. It's been seven seven thirty for both of these games so far for the Lakers and the Nuggets, and obviously tonight with Dallas and Vegas. So it's a seven thirty when the puck will drop for Game One of the Western Conference Finals. Just just try to tune in. Let's watch a little bit of it. I think you'll get hooked as the, you see the speed of it, how much fun it is, and just the intensity of playoff hockey. It's it's really like unlike any other thing that you're going to watch in the world of sports. Garrison Financial Friday. When we come back, we'll tell you all about what Scott's got going on down there at Garrison Financial. Some high school stuff. Just wrapping up the week right here on the Skinny on Sports. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax 
tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. But is having this minor skill worth being so unattractive? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! Welcome back on this fine Garrison Financial Friday. Skinny on Sports, wrapping it up for the week right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Mentioned early, uh, earlier, Scott, can be, he can be your full financial planner. <clears throat> Shops the open market to bring you the best value on your life insurance and your investments. You can work with your accountant to streamline all your, your tax ramifications, all your returns. So get all that in the works working with your accountant. Scott at SoonerWealth.com is his email address. 124 North Main is the location of his office down in downtown Elk City. Garrison Financial. Scott at SoonerWealth.com. What has happened to Michael Block? He made a bogey six on the par five fourth, his 13th hole of the day. And now he is hitting his second shot from on a par three from not even close to halfway down the hole. I turned away for one second, and Michael Block has lost it. Oh, goodness. He was playing the par five with a chance to tie the lead, and now he has made a six, and now he has hit what can only be described as an awful. Let's see if I can go back to what he did to get himself in that situation. Here he is. I'm talking like he hit it 30 yards or 40 yards, something to that effect. I mean, just an awful, awful shot. We might have to call it an El Hazel. I'm, I'm afraid he might have shanked it. Darn it. Michael Block. It's no good, man. It's no good. So he is, oh, here he is missing the putt for par. Fast forward to his tee shot on the par three. Phil, Seb Straka, and then let's find the 45-year-old Michael Block, club pro, Mission Viejo, California. There's a reason why it's taken a long time because Patrick Cantlay was putting, and so obviously that takes... <clears throat> forever to get past that point in the broadcast because Patrick Cantlay moves about as fast as a glacier. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was. It was just a cold shank. Off the fifth tee for Michael Block. Hits a tree. Keeps it actually inbound. And almost ends up onto the walkway. From the tee to the green. And then he chunked it, He chunked his next shot. 
So the Michael Block dream may be fading here in the middle of the back nine in his second round. Still, uh, it was awesome while it lasted, Michael Block. We appreciate uh, your time here this morning of giving us uh, the, the idea that maybe a club pro could win this tournament or at least be around. And now I'm hoping that he doesn't fall apart so bad he misses the cut with just a couple holes left. It's going to be fun over the weekend at the PGA Championship. All right, so there were some All-Staters named yesterday for high school baseball. Some guys right here locally close to home. Uh, the Small West Oklahoma Baseball Coaches Association All-State team ha is full of Western Oklahoma guys. Kyron Winery and Kaysen Legrand, both from Canute, both part of that state tournament team. You had Braden Whipple from up at Shattuck, Noah Halderman of Visai, Braxton Wisnant, and also Rowdy Randall from down at Hollis, Carter Sampson from Moreland, Jake Peeler from Sentinel. So Western Oklahoma well represented on that small West All-State baseball team. Congratulations to all those guys on being named All-Stater. And then also on the Middle West, you find Cooper Church of Elk City. Cooper made the All-State team as a pitcher. Uh, just a phenomenal senior season uh, for Coop, including a win in game one, quarterfinal round of the 4A state baseball tournament. So congratulations to all those guys on being named All-Staters in baseball this season. Their teams were successful. They were successful as individual players as well. So uh, that's awesome. It's really, really awesome when you see uh, the hard work that we know everybody on on that list put into the game. Uh, and their, their hard work rewarded with team success, and then the individual success will follow from there. So congratulations to those guys, their coaches, uh, on great, great, great baseball seasons had by everybody on that list. And then, I mean, it's kind of the – so there's, there's, there's huge shakeup going on around Western Oklahoma in high school basketball. Yeah, Luke Broadbent, who who led the Leedy Lady Bison on that magical run to the Class B Girls State Tournament a year ago, or, or this year, just a few months ago. Uh, he's gone down to Red Oak to be to be the girls basketball coach, to be the coach there at Red Oak. Uh, you had a guy that's taken the Roth Tigers to multiple state tournaments in multiple state championship games over the last handful of years. Larry Johnston is now uh, going to be at Hammond to be the boys coach at Hammond. And the shakeup continues. Coming off a state a state championship at Hammond this year on the girls' side with Leah Beer going back up I-34, or I-30, Highway 34, uh, to, to, uh, to take the job that uh, Luke Broadbent vacated. So that's, uh, that's a seismic shift in my mind, in Western Oklahoma basketball, to have uh, to to have her as the head coach of the Green Machine and Leedy, as opposed to the Hammond Lady Warriors, that's 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 a huge huge news note in Western Oklahoma, and it's it'd be interesting to see what she can do with what's coming back. You know, Gore's gone, but a bunch of youth on that on that Leedy Lady Bison team. And so that's that's exciting. Uh, I think if you're on, if you're on the leading side of things, that's super duper exciting uh, to have uh, 
you know, it, it stinks to it stinks to to for Luke to have to leave. But if you can, uh, you know, he's he's going there, and you can replace him with uh, with somebody that has state championship winning experience and recent state championship winning experience. That's uh, that's a heck of a hire. There, a huge loss uh, for him, and obviously, yeah, you know, there'll be the speculation from, you know, who, who could follow. I don't know that I haven't heard anything there, so that's not. But uh, man, it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome hire if you're on the leady side of things. Uh, there to have uh, Coach Leah Beer headed that way uh, to take control of the reins of the Lady Bison program again, which she was there not too terribly long ago. And so, uh, back in the green and white of Leedy. So that'll be that'll be a fun storyline to follow uh, coming up next year, and just to see um, the differences in the style and the and the way that uh, that young Leedy team they're going to be good again. I can promise you that. Uh, so that'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch, no doubt about it. Um, and then you know, see what uh, Hammond can do. Obviously, with West coming back, uh, you know, the youth there. See what. Uh, See what happens. See what happens there as we move through the summertime into the fall, and then of course, come November, there'll be a whole bunch of really, really good uh, teams from around here, as there is each and every year. So, I mean, that's a that's a heck of a shift uh, and kind of a, a disturbance in the force of small school high school basketball out here in Western Oklahoma. Well, Michael Block made a double bogey. Yeah, this is exactly right on the text line. His rounds starting to remind me of of my rounds. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, where's the snowman? Snowman's coming. Bogey, double bogey, snowman to miss the cut. That would be awful. After we started thinking to ourselves, man, this guy might have. Can he? Can he contend? The answer to that looks like no. But uh, Bryson DeChambeau has some company at the top of the leaderboard. Is Justin Rose? Three under through seven today. Now four under tied for the lead with Bryson DeChambeau. You got Scheffler and Connors who have not teed off yet. Tied for third and then a big group back at two under. So the PGA Championship is going to deliver. It's going to be a lot of fun at Oak Hill this weekend. Uh, seeing the best players in the world challenged like they do. Uh, like they've started to be challenged more often in the, in the PGA. It's not just a birdie fest a lot of times anymore. But this, this golf course set up is way more akin to what you see in the U.S. Open than what you uh, got accustomed to seeing in the PGA. So hopefully hopefully Michael Block can settle things down, make a birdie or two, and, and be around for the weekend. It would be awesome uh, to see one of those club pros actually contend for this title. Um, but nah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a hard ask. Watch out for Xander. Xander Shoffley started out horrific yesterday. Four over through three holes. He's got it all the way back near level par. Him and Cantley are making a run today to get back into this golf tournament with a couple rounds to go. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Thanks to Garrison Financial and Scott Garrison. It's a Garrison Financial Friday wrapping up the week on the Skinny on Sports. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way. 
Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice.